Hey, this is Sebastian from the Metal Gods Meltdown, and I'm joined by... Hey, this is Dan from Einstein. Yeah, I'm Eddie. I'm Eddie from Einstein. So for those that are unfamiliar with you guys, can you give us a very brief history about Ironstone, the band name and title of your fantastic, rip-fucking-roaring EP? Ironstone started when I was about 11 years old, and I wanted to play music with friends, and it started as a band project where we played covers, um, and then very quickly developed into an originals band, and then went through member changes and developed it about a year ago. Dan joined Ironstone, and that's kind of where the the renaissance period of Ironstone was born. The name of our EP is Prophecy, and we chose that because it's kind of named after self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. because we really thought that um, it was a really empowering sort of a message to have that if you what take the right steps towards success, that you will become your own prophecy, and you will yeah. you make your own luck sort of thing, and the word was really cool. In our original lineup one of the members lived close to ironstone road so we initially thought that's really cool having also known parkway drive we thought it'd be a logical um a logical move to name it after street as well because that worked out pretty well for them i'd say um so we thought okay we'll call the band ironstone road but then after a bit more consideration we sort of thought that the road part made it sound a little bit Country. country and so we just removed the road and just went with Einstein. We like the word; it represented something close to our local area and Australia because Einstein's that red rock you see all around the centre of Australia. So it's really, it's kind of a nod back to our to our home. Um, and also, a lot of the URLs on social media and on websites were free or relatively free, which is also an important consideration because if you pick a name that a lot of fans have, you're constantly going to have confusions and issues with um, websites and automatic playlists and stuff like that. So the EP is phenomenal and gets released at the end of May. Are you getting sort of really nervous now the 29th is getting closer and how are you going to be spending release day? Thanks, Lily. We've worked hard on the EP. We're glad you, glad you love it. But uh, I was, I don't know, I'd probably uh, just a group huddle, I reckon. But 1.5 apart, though. We just group huddle for 24 hours, 1.5 metres apart. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on how the restrictions are. I think if the restrictions are um, off a little bit, we could probably have... We were going to have a, a launch gig, like a launch party mm. gig, but because that's no longer possible due to the restrictions, we might just have a launch party party. We'll just buy our members. Launch party party. Launch party party. We can celebrate the party. Celebration party, have another party. Party to the power of two. Are you, are you nervous for the EP release? I'm kind of... I'm, like, oh, I'm sort of... I wasn't last week, but now I've sort of... Think, yeah, I think the, I think I'm getting a bit nervous. I'm nervous. I'm just kind of more apprehensive. I'm kind of thinking about how it's going to be received by other people and possibly because obviously it's going to be the first if it goes well potentially of many to come. And so oh, if no, it go well, it's going to be. This just this one. Just the How does the songwriting process work within the band and is it down to one particular person or do you guys all get involved? sort of starts off as Ed always writes the the guitars, obviously, because he's the guitarist. Mm-hmm. And uh, writes the riffs and... and I, always, I always write the violin. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I start with the riffs and a general song, song structure so that for a given song we know that it goes, you know, riff first, chorus, riff, whatever the structure may be, and I get it all set out. 
and kind of thematically play with it and program synth and stuff so it's really clear what the song feels like and what we want the song to achieve. Then Dan comes around and we work on the words together and that's 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 a pretty 50-50 even process really. Sometimes mm. Dan will be on fire and write a whole damn song and then other times it's the other way around. It's really kind of random and creative. You know, writer's block mm. can be a definite issue there. Once we've got a song strong thematically and got words to it and it's starting to sound like it's actually got some potential. We get Jackson, the drummer in. He's fantastic with technology. He uh, assists us in programming that and getting that to sound really good so that we can so we can listen to a better representation of the song and have a better assessment of whether it's going to work in a, in a full production context. And normally that stage of the writing process is awfully exciting because we finally get to hear it in a really polished sort of state and go, holy moly, this sounds... You know, even better, we thought this might have been a bit crap, but now that you put everything like that, it's finally starting to show its true colours. And then after we do that, obviously, it goes to the band rehearsal room where the whole band contributes and talk about potential ideas and changes to the song. And then the very last stage, you'll be trialling it live. And sometimes you play stuff live and stuff just doesn't work and you need to change it. And then other times you go, that was fantastic. Can you give us some insight into two of the tracks I really dig Kill the Man and the opener, Dan Paul. Okay, Kill the Man. Kill the Man was um was written before Dan joined the band. Mm. Very very shortly before though. It's definitely it's very new. Yeah, because well, you remember that gig, the first gig you was you weren't supposed oh, to do no, that. Oh no, no, I don't remember that at all. That that really uh yeah, no, I don't remember that. That that, that didn't stay in memory. That's the funniest thing ever. You're gonna side jump here just for your sake, Seth. Um, what happened was we had a gig planned. And we didn't really have a member or anything like that. I was going to do it, but I quickly figured out I couldn't play and sing all the songs. I was getting really stressed. And so we had a singer mate who's a really good singer and screamer who was going to cover for us. He'd done a band rehearsal with us too, and it sounded fantastic. We were all so stoked. We'd found Dan like, what, a, a couple of weeks before. Dan was brand new, didn't really know the songs. Anyway, this singer got really, really sick, had to go to hospital. And so we rang up Dan and went, uh, Dan, can you do the gig? He's like, sure. And so he got in the car, and on the way to Melbourne, where like during the two-hour drive or so, he learned all the songs. Wow. And for the most part, the show went really well, and we were really impressed with Dan, but there was one song, which was Kill the Man, <laughs> yeah, kill the man. with all the verses and complicated lyrics, and kind of satirical, like, complicated words. I'm he, just, he just made up his own words. Like, yeah. never, he, he, sometimes he's singing shit that wasn't even fucking English. It was brilliant. We were laughing so I like to add a little bit of flair into my... Uh, Inspiration. Yeah, a little bit of Mongolian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very funny, but at the same time, he totally did it with conviction. I don't think anyone in the crowd knows this. Crowd loved it. I didn't. For man, okay. So for the writing of Kill the Man, I definitely wanted to do something satirical, and um, I was very inspired by Twelfth and Ninja for this track. Just kind of the, the, just how the music kind of adds to that satiricalness by being kind of bouncy and upbeat, while the um, lyrical content's quite dark. And I knew, I always knew I wanted to do like, oh, 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 what have I done? But I wanted to like scream the what have I done so that it escalates really, really quickly and the guitar comes in. So the chorus was probably the first thing that came, that whole what have I done, gone and got myself covered in blood. I remember trying to rhyme something with blood, absolute nightmare. And then we finally came up with it and now reality's hitting me hard and they're like, hard and blood's close enough, so we'll go with that. <laughs> and then that came together and then we just did the verses real soft, just to counteract that heavy courses and third bad to the, you know, kind of bipolar nature of the song. And Downpour 
Flood's way better running. Oh, I could have, yeah, I could have run <laughs> flood, flood of blood. Yeah. Oh well. Song's kind of recorded now. Uh, <laughs> I'm very, very happy with the end result. And downpour. Um, that came from playing around with riffs, and I came up with something that was very, very definitely Eastern in flavour. I played with that koto that syncopates in between the guitar riff, and that sounded really, really good. And I was quite surprised at how nice that actually sounded. And then I just went for like kind of sodgy smash chord verse, like the dun 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 dun, because I wanted it to be simple because mm. I worked so hard on that riff. I kind of wanted to lazy out for the verse, and it ended up giving this kind of like chug move through that was really really cool. And then the chorus just kind of naturally came, and yeah, that's definitely been that's what that's the oldest one on the EP, Downpour. We've had Downpour for quite a while.
Of course you've released some awesome videos already. What's the feedback been like from media and your fans to those ones? And was Annie chucking a bucket of water over you in Danpo? Uh, it, it, it was a couple buckets. <laughs> but we, uh, with, with Bound, we got quite a, quite a good like, level of feedback, I guess. No one's really told it to their face, but you know, it's, it's all been quite nice. But yeah, this, this downpour is the one I'm, I'm most keen for people to see at the moment anyway. I think Priority, Priority was basically, that was the, the first one that we did, and that was a really, really nice video. Um, that was just us trying to keep momentum, having for us to sing it, and so I decided that I'd sing and do the song. We got really good feedback for Priority. Everyone was pleasantly surprised at the genre shift. Mm. That worked really, really well. Had Dan, had we have found Dan like two, three weeks earlier, he would have been the singer of that song. Right. It was a very, very close sort of a, <laughs> it's a short time frame. Bound got kind of fairly weak initial reception, but it really kind of just was a lot more consistent than Polarity. Like it just kind of churned, mm. kept churning and like picking up views. And now that we're about to release Prophecy, um, it's getting picked up all over again. And people are going, listen to Einstein's new single. And I'm like, holy moly, new single. That's so funny. Um, and people are really enjoying the video and loving the, the song. Um, even though, we're, to be perfectly frank, we're probably a little bit sick of it by this point because we've been listening to it for a long time. But it's kind of rebirthed our interest for the, the clip and the song. And we've kind of really realized that it is actually yeah, a song. It is a pretty solid song. It's definitely a good song. Um, but there's a lot better ones on the EP, like Dan said, like Down Forman. I pretty much put the, all the other five above Down, so I'm really excited to see the reception for the, the rest of Pop. You do eventually get out on the road. Which two current bands would you most like to go on tour with if you were given the chance? I would definitely, for me, it's different for every band member because we're all influenced yeah. by different bands and probably all have a different perception of which bands would be the best to do a show with. But I would say Periphery and 12-Foot Ninja. Because mm. even though, it sounds ridiculous when I say this, even though neither of them are like the biggest band in the world, they're still just such big influences to our music and so important to me personally that I would um, I would take them a thousand times over a much larger entity or band like Metallica, for example, or something like that. Do you go to Periphery and Metallica? Yeah, definitely, because I absolutely adore Periphery, so... The world, especially the music industry, is going to take a huge hit from this virus. How hard is it going to be to stand out from your peers in an already saturated world? What is your selling point? Well, we, we spoke about if we did want to release the EP now or later on when this virus uh, finishes or dies down a little bit. But when the virus dies down, that's when everyone else in the world is going to release their music. So we sort of decided to release it smack bang in the middle so um we can be the, the only one standing out i guess not many other artists are, are releasing music at the moment and everyone's getting sick and tired of listening to the same thing so they need something new to um to listen to that's oh yeah our point of <laughs> our point of difference is kind of in a logical release date mm. which is cool <laughs> well it is man i mean it's like the world hasn't stopped as in the internet and that so why not just go for it Got nothing to lose. I think one of the I think one of the biggest things for us that we we talked about and considered was for other bands it's really, really important that they're able to still do a tour for their new release. But us being at quite a low level and um, four of the band members still being in year twelve, um, and still only being eighteen or seventeen, we figured that it was probably a better decision to release now because we'll um, be able to garner more attention people are going to be wanting new releases and it's no skin off our nose if we can't tour to release 
because we're, we're riding faster than we can keep up with and we're sure that in another year's time we'll be we'll have just as much new material and we'll be just as happy to tour about or like throw some other songs from this in but at the end of the day it's just the first EP of quite a small regional band and so we thought we're going to cut our losses the benefits outweigh the cons because the cons for us don't really apply when did you first become interested in heavy metal and becoming a metal musician well for me mine was um i think uh, i was thinking about it recently about when when did i start listening to metal i remember my first metal song i listened to and i fell in love with was in flames my sweet shadow and i reckon that was probably grade two grade three or something i was probably like probably about eight and um i just fell in love with in flames then and um and then just you know kept building up a bit more and got into more more bands and um now i'm yeah where i am today and, and just getting influenced from left right and center whoever brings out music is just what i what i take out from for me when i was about i want to say like nine years old i wanted to start playing guitar so i obviously picked up the influences of my parents so that was a lot of 80s rock a lot of ACDC because it's really good to play as a beginner. And then I kind of got into metal from there through the pursuit of more technicality and difficult music. So it went from Angus Young sort of to the Van Halen sort of realm of things with Eddie Van Halen. And then um, my dad had a really good friend who introduced me to Steve Vai and I quickly picked that up. That was kind of the next step of difficulty. And then Steve Vai dabbled in metal and then so that kind of formed into Avenged Sevenfold, where you have Sinister Gates doing kind of a, well, a more metalized version of what Steve I is sort of doing, um, and a more commercial version too, and then it kind of just got heavier from there. And then I was really into that, and then I found 12 Foot Ninja. I was introduced to 12 Foot Ninja by the drummer, actually, Jackson. Listened to their stuff and really liked it, which coincided kind of simultaneously with Architects. And then I found that in those, the, the technicality wasn't so much in the guitar solo playing, it was really in the rhythm playing, which I really liked, because it was more consistent. Because it had earlier been the case that I was kind of in the draw in the respect that I was always waiting for the guitar solo, and the guitar solo was a chance to prove that I could play, and I thought, I think a, a better alternative is to serve the song and to serve the actual, the, the artistry by being consistently technical. And so it kind of switched to rhythm playing in that kind of, you know, typical teenager guitar solo mindset just kind of left the building and it really became kind of a percussive, progressive metal game instead. Can you remember the first time you ever performed with Ironstone and how it felt? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, didn't feel great. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, no, it was a good time being up on stage, but I was, yeah, I was scared. I think that's the most scared I've ever been in my life. Yeah, I don't blame you. There was a pretty decent crowd there, too. Oh, I remember playing guitar and kind of looking over my left shoulder. You got Fuck it, oh. oh, yeah, no, I was actually, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. Um, for me, it's kind of a little bit more difficult. <laughs> it depends on what you consider Einstein said, really, because um, it's been going for a very, very long time under different members and stuff. I'm technically the only original member left, but honestly, it's been a different band. Each time a member's come in, the genre has shifted enough that I would consider it a different band, and that's been to the, due mostly to the influence of... Um, or just how we write to make the singer sound good, because you've got a your singer's your front person, and you've got to sound good, and so with different singers, we've kind of adopted a slightly different style. Mm. Not to mention, you know, we were growing in musical taste probably nearly as fast as we were growing in bloody height. So, you know, we were kids. The, the genre changed so quickly, yet too quick for some, apparently. <laughs> but I'd say my first gig with Einstein. Look, I'll just say I was playing in pubs with 
Iron Stone when I was 11 years old. This has been going since I was like 10, 11 years old. It was the first time I played on stage with this band lineup. But it's kind of that thing of the shovel, you know, where you replace the handle and you replace the head and you replace the, the, the start bit. And it's not the same shovel, even though you've had it for 100 years. So, yeah. That's a good analogy. Who do you feel has influenced the metal rock world more than anyone else? Well, I don't know. I'd probably say the, the big four, I guess. Your, your, your Metallica and your, your Metallica Anthrax, Megadeth, and, uh, and Slayer. Yeah, that's it. Slayer, I, guess. I reckon they're, they're probably because the, the bands that, that influenced us were influenced by, by them and influenced by the others. It all sort of trickles down from them but then they like the big four also influenced by Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne and yeah it depends what kind of it keeps going depends what kind of tier of the, the metal pyramid you're talking about if we're sitting at the top you've got your Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath mm-hmm. who, in, who influenced those yeah, big four of the modern sort of era of, um, yeah. era of metal then you've got kind of post-modern where you've got other bands mm-hmm. that are taking it in other directions and I'm I would honestly say that that's where bands like Animals as Leaders and Periphery have kind of taken that to be a whole different thing and of recent architects I think have been really they've really shifted kind of the centre focus of metal because it never mm. used to be on all this um, metalcore screen doom and gloom that was definitely not a thing 10 years ago um, architects has made that really really cool and really appealing and oh, that starts out as in, in your school you learn the guitar and you learn yeah. your it's kind of not even just the evolution. It's not just the evolution of the music itself. Like you said, it's kind of the evolution of the individual you have yeah. to go through. Like I had to go through Angus Young and Metallica and all that in order to get to this really high level stuff. Because if I had started with that, I would have quit, quit guitar. Yeah. Because it's just ridiculous. Um, depending on your skill level and what you want to play, and at some point your skill level reaches that point where it's where what you want to play, and that's the perfect equilibrium point to find what you want to do. So Australia is well, it's a continent basically. I mean, you could fit the UK in Australia probably about six times over. What would you say the the scene is like in Australia for rock and metal? Yeah, it's good. We do the best of what we have. It's um, it's it's full of really great people. A lot of really friendly fellow musos that have always been willing to help us out. Uh, definitely made some lifelong connections in our scene. Mm. Gotten invaluable experience because, you know, at the end of the day, even if our scene's not as um, big as others just because of the population, you can't cut your teeth on a stadium. You need the small mm. venue. So even if we lived in the biggest mega city on it, even if we lived in Shanghai, we'd still have to play yeah. in a very small crap pub to begin with and work mm. our way up. And so I think... In our particular scene, because it's less people, less competitive, it's actually better and more conducive to learning and climbing up mm. the ladder rungs. Because it's quite possible if we were in a bigger city that we, you know, there'd be um, a big disparity between the kind of has and has nots of, of the band world. You have these bands that are just ridiculous production professionals, mm. been doing it for ten years, just crush all the other little bands into dust, and you wouldn't ever get a look in. Yeah. Um, which is probably not end up as well as in our scene where we can organically build up and kind of we've already gotten to a stage where we're sort of playing medium level venues and starting to move up. Everyone's just really friendly as well. Everyone in the, the Melbourne metal scene, the, the way you've ever met and that we've heard of, is just, everyone is just so friendly and they just yeah. there's no bad words about anyone and that's just the, the type of metal music family I guess you want to be Yeah, I, I don't even know if that's particularly indicative of the Australian community. I think the metal community in general is just really great. Um, there's been other 
Like, there's other music communities where there's a little bit of, like, gossip and issues, a bit of drama yeah. and stuff. Never in the metal one, though. It's always... And I was like, you'll be wrong. It's always a part belt. So at school, are you seen as rock stars? <laughs> no. Any opportunity to get picked on, literally, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not as bad now because I, um, I was a very punchable kid. I'll put it that way. Oh, I would beat 12-year-old me up. Holy moly. Um, no, when I was in primary school, it was pretty bad because there was the kind of the isolate the outsider, <laughs> make them feel like crap thing. In high school, they got less and less. It was more kind of like psychological warfare. Um, but now that I'm a little bit older, it's not as big of a problem. People are kind of more bothered with their own thing. I've kind of recently, I'm just starting to sort of come into my own to a degree, and so there's less of that kind of, you know, punchableness. I'm starting to work out who my friends are and to just, you know, isolate myself away from those people who aren't interested in me because, you know, it's not, it's not worth it, is it? And the metal community also ties into that as well because you really kind of find your tribe and go, well... You know, in this particular group, I'm a dork and, you know, getting just picked on. I'm just, like, not doing well. I'm in another group. like I'm still a dork. I still get picked on, but I'm happy about it. <laughs> which would you say, being so young still as well, but which would you say are your two favourite songs of all time and what they meant to you personally? The thing that change all the time. I can put down one as Collateral by 12 Foot Ninja. That particular song was a real turning point, and that's my favourite one of theirs. At the moment, because about to say that our song is about to say the better I'm seen. I love that song. Well, I can't get enough of that song. Yeah, yeah, we can just shamelessly self-plug. Yeah. Now I'm gonna actually say I really love Reptile by Periphery, and I'm gonna pick that song because it's that's 17 minutes long, so it actually counts for three songs. So I figure that's my best bet. If I say Collateral by Twelve Ninja and Tentative Reptile by Periphery, because the song's so damn long, um, it covers pretty much every sort of style we've ever done. So yeah, I'll go with that. Can you tell us why we should watch and check out Ironstone? Yeah, we're just a, a young up-and-coming band with, um, as, you, as you said before, with, with a lot of skill and um, the, the stuff we're, we're coming out with is well, what we think is quite good. I think people should watch Ironstone and listen to our stuff because if they're looking for something heavy, melodic, very catchy, and if they're looking for the, the, the cutting edge of modern metal... <laughs> And they should definitely watch our stuff and listen to us. Um, also, another reason is just, if you if you look at it from, from the numbers, we're all very young, so we've got a lot of time to produce more music. Um, so it's not like getting into a band that are all in their 80s. There is more to come. So if you like it, that's a positive view. If you don't, I'm incredibly sorry. I would say listen to our stuff because we reckon we've had a pretty fresh take on the, the sort of genre. It's not very doom and gloom. There's a lot of satire and uplifting in it. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's a nice... It's a nice shift. It's quite interesting, so I'd really recommend people give it give it a really good listen, like you did. Listen through it a few times, and I think you might you might get something out of it, find a favourite song, or learn something, maybe. So can you give us four words to describe Iron Stone? Heavy, melodic, innovative, and raw sex appeal. <laughs> Any final words for your fans and our listeners? Um, thank you all very much for following us, for helping us out, for supporting us. It really is a family at this point, and mm. it's a small following, but we know all of our fans, and so that's a really unique and special position to be in. Um, so we thank you all for listening. We thank you all for interacting with us and helping us out along the way. We really hope you enjoy this release, that we can finally give something back to you guys, because that's, that's what we want to do. We just want to um, give back to the fans and um, impress them as much as they've impressed us over the last year. 
especially with all these lineup changes and all this kind of bullshit that's been going on. Thank you so much for holding on between depth, and I promise you to not regret it. Release. 